Welcome to Family Financial Views from the University of Illinois Extension. Hello, everyone. My name is Kamaya Wells Bichard, and I'm joined by my two wonderful colleagues who are going to introduce themselves in a little bit, but we have a delicious topic for you today. So today we're going to be talking a little bit about like food expenditure, changes to that during the pandemic, um, and just a lot of things about um, some of the data that we do have on even generational differences with like food behavior. So we have some wonderful things um, set up for you today. So I'm going to have my colleagues introduce themselves. Kathy. Thank you, Kamaya. I'm Kathy Sweetler, Consumer Economics Educator, UMI Extension. And I'm Seisha Grabensetter, also Consumer Economics Educator. And I am excited to have a delicious topic today. Yes. So I'm very excited about this. So I think this topic kind of came to mind because what do we do every day? We have to fix food for people to Mm -hmm. eat, whether it's ourselves, our household members. It's kind of one of those constant chores or joys, depending (laughs) on how you want to look at it. um, That's very, you know, just keeps on coming. And on top of all the other things that we've had to deal with during the pandemic year, Um, Food costs have been high. So recent um, research or data coming out of the Consumer Price Index showed that really for 2020, that food costs were up almost 4% compared to the year before. And it didn't matter too much whether you were eating, getting food from restaurants or at the grocery store, Um, it was still a significant increase. So if you think it's been costing you more to eat, you're right. It has been. So we're hopeful for 2021, but we don't really know what's going to happen um, going forward, although they're predicting maybe it'll be a little lower, which would be great. It would be great. Um, yeah, it would it be was great. Lower. Yeah, everything. Because <laughs> food is out there. And, you know, food's a pretty significant piece of household budgets. We might not think about it that way because sometimes like our rent seems like a, or mortgage seems right. like a big chunk. Um, but overall, it averages somewhere around 13% of the average household's expenditures, um, according to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. Now, your household, it could be higher than that, it could be lower, mm-hmm. but just to give you a sense of it. So I think sometimes that is why people, when I'm working with people to like find ways to lower their costs, they often choose food as a place they want to examine where they're at least spending money. Well, especially when we talk about, um, you know, like budgeting, like that's the first place I normally tell people to look to cut costs. But if prices were increasing for 2020, then it's kind of a a battle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think. Yeah. You're trying to do well. And then yet prices are going up. Prices are going up. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well. Um, So I thought this would be a great podcast topic. We could look at some, you know, concrete strategies people might want to try if they're looking for ways to save money on food expenses, and then kind of think about how this does apply to our household as well. And so looking at the research, but also taking a look at some practical things. So I guess I'd like to start out with not just this past year, but in your, you know, your lives. What are some different strategies you've tried that have been successful for you to help keep down your food costs? I'll just throw it out there for anybody that wants to start or <laughs> I can start. Um, you go ahead and start, Kathy, because I feel like I for this for this question, it's such a good question. And, it, and I feel like for us in my household, it's changed 
you know, from year to year. So you go ahead. Well, I think, you know, one thing that I've done over the years when, and it just gives me peace of mind and, and I think it does keep our, our food costs down is I try to do some meal planning over the, on the weekend for the upcoming week. Um, and so kind of think about like, what days could I cook something? What days do we need something fast? Like we've been talking grilled cheese sandwiches, you know, or, you know, one day could we use leftovers And then from that meal plan, I can make my shopping list and make sure we have some of those key ingredients um, at home. Um, And I think two things happen there. One, that shopping list keeps me on track so I don't get sidetracked by the things that just look really yummy um, and then forget like dinner items. (laughs) Um, And then also when we know we have food here for, you know, whatever night we're fixing that we have the ingredients, we're more likely to actually get that food cooked and prepared rather than just being like, I'm hungry. What are we going to have? So that's, I think meal planning has been my Mm go-to cost-saving thing. Yes. And I love that idea. I know we've tried that before, um, but some other things that we, we have done is actually having that food category a little bit clearer. I think before when we were trying to budget for everything else, just like you two were saying um, before about like food being one of those things that, you know, one thing that we think of cutting the cost for, but I think for us in our household, it just increased. And so we had to set a dollar amount that we were um, able to do (laughs) each month for food. So we don't cut into other like budget category. So we came up with a plan. Um, like my partner and I would divide like some of our household um, purchases and budgets piece. So he was responsible for like that food budget to keep us on track to make sure, okay, we only have like $150 um, left in the food budget. So making sure that we're covering like some of the essential things. So just keeping on track with that. Also doing a little bit of like bulk shopping, like we have two kids at different age. And so they're one's picky, one's not very picky. Um, just making sure that when we are doing like the shopping for them and shopping for our household with like food, that um, we're not doubling up on things. And we're making sure that we do have like our list of things that we actually need um, for um, each, you know, over a few weeks, um, or whether that's a month. So that's just a couple of things that we, we have done. Those are great ideas. I kind of like that idea of like, knowing you're going to spend trying to stay within that amount for the month. And then as the month gets closer, looking at that and saying, okay, so how are we going to stretch this to make it work? What food do we have on hand from bulk, you know, shopping? Maybe we don't go out as much this week. We kind of, you know, look at it that way. I think that's a great strategy. Mm-hmm. Did you have an idea, Seisha? So I have tried both of said things that you have both mentioned. Um, meal planning seems to work sometimes in my house. Um, we used to do the dollar amount thing. And then we would get to this point where we're like, what, what is considered eat like groceries and what is like considered eating out? And we were really bad about, especially before my son was born, we would eat out a lot. We were, I don't know why we just ate out. We were just foodies, I guess. And <laughs> So that number would always like exceed every month. And I'm like, well, maybe we need to find something different. But for me, I think um, just knowing what I have on hand is really important. So like Mm -hmm. I have sticky notes kind of everywhere in my kitchen. that just kind of say like, what do we have in the freezer? Like, and I just cleaned out the freezer because I'm nesting. 
right. I'm getting ready for this baby to come. And I'm like, I need to know what's in the freezer. I need to know what's in there. And I cleaned it out, like completely cleaned it out, like bought baskets to put stuff in. And I can totally see that. Yeah. I (laughs) just have real, I just couldn't help myself. So now I know what vegetables we have in the freezer. And I know what vegetables I have in the fridge because I keep a sticky note. So like, I know what I can make with said vegetables, but now I need to do the pantry. So like, that's my new thing, I think, is I'm going to make lists. I know what I have on hand. And that way, when I go to make my meal plan, I'm not like buying like seven boxes of macaroni and cheese because I already have five in my pantry and I can be like more mindful of it. So that's Mm -hmm. my, that's my new thing, I guess. I think one of the things I was, when I was listening to you that I heard was that makes budgeting for food probably challenging is this, do we separate out food that we buy at the groceries versus do we, you know, versus food that we eat out, whether we're going into Mm -hmm. a restaurant or takeout or whatever. And, and I think part of it is that, you know, one, sometimes like when we go out, it's, it's our entertainment, right? So is it entertainment dollars? Is it eating Mm -hmm. dollars? You know, there's so much socializing that can go along with food as well. Um, and interesting, you know, that we've seen this trend that you talked about, Sasha, um, in across the U.S., where there's a lot more, um, you know, eating out. If we take it before the pandemic, there was a lot more eating out happening um, than there have been in previous decades. And so we had gotten to the place where, you know, about 55 percent of the food dollars were from takeout versus, you know, the 45 percent from groceries. But in during April of 2020, that just flipped upside down. That just went like crazy. And there's a peak that shows that. Let's see if I can get it here that uh, that food at home actually peaked at 66 percent in April of 2020. Now, it's been going back down. Um, We don't have full data up to, you know, current day per se. It started to go back down and sort of even out again, but it didn't really get, you know, as low yet as what we were seeing um, pre pandemic. But I think. I don't know. Do you guys think that keeping track of food eating out separately from food at the grocery store is helpful? It is helpful, but it's hard to do. So we've tried like different budgeting app and they allow you, of course, to do the groceries from eating out from entertainment, which might include movies when we could actually go into a movie theater or go to a concert. I miss but those yes, it's like using like these very specific category. And we try to do that. Um, and, you know, like for a lot of these things, trial and error, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But when it actually worked, we saw the differences in how, you know, if we're eating out twice in a week over the weekend, like, oh, we just spend like this much dollar amount. And, you know, that's like, would be a significant chunk of our, grocery budget so it allowed us to to think more about like where we were eating to because there were some very delicious places in the area Bloomington Normal that we live in so you know like the price difference in what we're actually paying in um, like the restaurant's meal and how that kind of related to what we actually had in the grocery money so just looking at like the price difference it allowed us to see that a little bit clearer Okay, so that so in that sense, keeping track separately gave you a real sense of how your dollars are going for these different kinds of food in a way. Right, right. 
Did you have we, something you wanted to add about that? I just want to say, like, we just, I mean, like, we always totally failed. Like, every month we'd budget, like, I don't know, like, let's say $200. And we'd blow through that in, like, you know, two and a half weeks. Like, it just would. Because food, like, you know, food away. Well, then you're including things, like you said, like entertainment, like drinks. Or, like, if you get one adult, mm-hmm. if you each get one adult beverage, like, you're adding another, like, 10. Like, especially up where I am, near Chicago, like, 10 to... $12 a drink and then mm-hmm. you know like on top of the meal and then tipping the, the waitress or waiter like you know that's an expensive meal like mm-hmm. um, so sometimes I had to be like really mindful of it so it was hard it's yeah really and that's hard. something I've been wondering about is you know because we've been referring to the fact that right now most people haven't been able to go out to restaurants as much as they might have liked to go on out and and there's been some Um, research from the Bureau of Labor Statistics kind of looking at what they're calling protective behaviors by consumers Mm -hmm. um, to see what has changed during the pandemic. Now, of course, again, this data goes back to like um, when they were serving people was in August of 2020. So, you know, things change again. We know that keep changing. But one of the behaviors that people reported was avoiding eating at restaurants um, in fact, they, you know, they even broke it down by generations, which I thought was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. So overall, 55% of people who reported uh, avoiding eating at restaurants. So it was a really significant trend. And I know we've seen it in the news, the hit yeah. on the hospitality and, you know, food industry was really real, but it, it varied some. So of the, I guess, of those people that avoided it, you know, it, older generations, like people that were in the silent generation, avoided it more than younger generations, which again, I think that kind of makes sense with kind of risk management. But I've been curious, because of the, you know, people have had to eat, use, you know, or people have been buying more food from grocery stores. Is that a trend we think might stick? Like, after the pandemic, will people say, oh, look at the difference in my food budget, how much we've saved by doing this? Or are we going to all just like throw our pots in the trash can and run out <laughs> to restaurants? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like that. I mean, we also have to think about like there are these ex, uh, extraneous, like also other positives of eating at home, too. Like I know a lot of friends who lost a lot of weight during the pandemic because they were cooking at home they knew where they were eating like I, I I don't really know and like I don't know Kathy that's my answer I don't know yeah I don't I, I'm not really just looking for us to have the answer I know, I this know. isn't really research but. based but it's just something that's been in my mind that I've been wondering what will be the takeaway like what will we you know we'll be the generation that went through the pandemic right mm-hmm. kind of like the great yeah. depression it's like going to be a marker and will there be like, for example, my grandmas went through the um, Great Reset, Great Depression. And like we used to joke, my grandma could get the last little bit out of any jar. I mean, you know, um, you know, she never th- there was never anything left in a jar mm-hmm. or container when she got done with it. And, and I think part of that was from coming from a time period where there was so much rationing and there just wasn't enough food and things. What's going to be that piece where people are like, well, yeah, they went through the pandemic. You can tell. Mm-hmm. Watch what they do. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. 
I think it's gonna be more hand sanitizer than anything. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Everybody has a hand sanitizer in their pocket or in their purse. Yeah. So maybe that'll be it and not a food behavior. Okay. Well, we'll move on. That was me kind of getting I like off that on a thought, tangent. Though. I like but, that thought though, because you know, we're noticing and the data is showing like these change in like food behavior patterns. And 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 for a lot of folks who are making like those decisions as to you know, tonight's a eating out night. Tonight's not a eating out night. Like, how will that change over time? How will that change as we we make it through like this pandemic? So, I like that question, Kathy. I think just well, to add, like maybe that like that Friday night going out might be different mm-hmm. because, you know, if I am still worried about, you know, my experience through this pandemic, maybe I don't want to go on a busy night. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll go on a different night. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Just a thought. thought. Yeah, I don't expect this. Be a little bit more be, cautious. Which, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> And then one other behavior change that I thought was interesting that this report from the Bureau of Labor Statistics came out that related to consumer behavior change was more people are doing online shopping. Um, So, and I think that does can relate to food shopping as well as other areas. And again, I mean, the changes were significant. So even for the really older generation, like older, like silent generation, more than baby boomers, even, you know, even they were seeing like a 56% increase and then millennials, 70% and the other people in between. So, you know, that's, that's another behavior change that has an impact on consumers, um, And I know for myself, I had never tried shopping online for groceries before the pandemic, Um, even though we have talked about it. I hadn't done it, really. Um, And that's something I have been doing consistently. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that while there are some parts I still honestly don't love about it, because I am the kind of a person that likes food and I like to be able to explore grocery stores and see all the different products and stuff. I just get joy out of that. You know, those date weeks where I just need to stock up on kind of the, you know, the basics, I I think I'll be using online shopping forever for that. I mean, I mean you know, I, I have a feeling that after the pandemic, I'll go back to grocery stores to shop in person, but it won't be as frequent. Right. I agree with you. Like I, well, when the pandemic first started, I couldn't get anyone to go shopping for my groceries. Like I use, I use an app and. I couldn't get anybody to go. like, it was like, it'd be three days. And I'm like, no, I'm just going to go. So mm-hmm. the first few weeks I went, but then once things calmed down, I, I went back to using my app and having other people shop for my groceries, which I really appreciate. So, yeah. So what, what other, you know, thinking about this past year related to food purchases um, in your household, can you think of any other behaviors that have changed for you? And did you see a change in your food budget? Yes, uh, we did. Um, you know, before the pandemic, like going out to restaurants once or twice a week, um, you know, that kind of changed to like the takeout piece and that takeout. Um, I like right in the beginning, it was like higher than how often we used to eat out. And part of it was like a coping mechanism mm-hmm. that we were mm-hmm. doing as well, too. You know, just wanting something different, like, you know, a few nights a week just to feel excited about food. And an um, excuse to thing. go out. Yes. <laughs> Even if you just <laughs> drove somewhere and drove <laughs> back, right? Yes. We just drove somewhere for like five to 10 minutes. So, yeah, we saw an increase in that. And we kind of did also to like more groceries because 
in the beginning, like a little bit of worry. So bulk shopping, um, that increased. Um, so we had to, to up our food budget and kind of take it from other categories. We weren't buying like a lot of clothes. Um, you know, the, the kids weren't in school, so not a lot of new things. So we could take from some of those other categories to, to increase like the food piece. And we were spending a lot. So we had to reevaluate after things kind of calmed down for us. But yeah, there were some, we were doing takeout a little bit more because it was very exciting um, to do that. Um, but yeah, those were just a, a few of the different things that we we saw some changes for. I mean, for my household, um, because my son was at home and he was in pre-pre-K, um, we had a lot of more snack purchases happening, you know, like, like takeaway things like in bags or you know, I would prepare like fruit in the morning for him be like, this is your fruit for the day. Like I also realized how much like more beverages we purchased, which sounds kind of strange, but like we just got so tired of drinking water. And so we buy those like packets you could put in the water bottles or I'd make homemade lemonade or even just like having adult beverages was nice, you know, um, but I don't really, I can't think of anything else that I saw a change in other than like, come on, like you said, like we just, we're trying to support local and help out those restaurants nearby. Yeah. So. That was important for us too. We did a lot of local. Yes. Same. <laughs> so I thought about this one and I will say that I haven't actually sat down and calculated it all out, but I think I'm pretty sure that our food budget went up significantly. And I realized part of it is um, my husband's work re- meant that he was often out of town for a week every month to six weeks or something. So he was out of town a lot. And we didn't pay for food while he was out of town because <laughs> it would be on a business trip. So there would be, you know, food costs that would be taken care of that way. Um, so that, you know, if you think about it, that that's an, an increase that's real. Yeah. Then also, I, th- I feel that, you know, for me, Shopping online has meant that I don't shop around as much at the store. Like we kind of get what is there and there have been, you know, definitely less choices during some time periods. And so, and then there is, you know, fees associated with the delivery and the tipping, which I've been happy to pay, but yes, there is cost there. So I think that's gone up. And then the only store I have felt comfortable going into is a small store um, it's a local small store that's um, and the the rationale that made it feel comfortable for me was, is that I could get in and out quickly so I could buzz around and pick up things oh, quickly yeah. without having spent so much time in the store where a larger store. I felt like I kind of got trapped in there um, for longer. And but the thing about the smaller store is the expense, the items are much more expensive. But I was just kind of like, well, this is what we're doing. I mean, this is, you know, this is my choice. It, but so I think our food budget actually went up quite a bit, but it's kind of a, now my husband's not eating out as much. So maybe, it, but I still think it's gone up. And also yeah. I think as many of us kind of alluded to food is something that we use sometimes to treat ourselves, right. To make us feel better. Mm-hmm. Um, and while we can't get out and socialize the same way, I think there have been, you know, definitely there've been things we've purchased because, well, if we can't, Kind of like, well, if we can't go do the things we want to do, well, we can at least enjoy this. Yes. And yes. and I'm not really, com- I'm not complaining about that. I think that's been a fine coping mechanism overall. But um, <laughs> but I, I do think if we think about food purchases, I would bet that ours has gone up quite a bit. 
I would love to, see, I wish I had like a, I really attracted it really well in 2019 to see a difference in 2020, just to see like how much more did I spend? Cause I'm pretty sure that I probably spent more than this 4% increase. And, and then for people I probably who, could go back and look at my credit card bills to be honest yeah and I was thinking yeah. about people who actually use like different budgeting apps I know people use different tools to track like these different spending you might be able if you're listening might be able to go back and see that difference to have like that record of you know what did we spend on food in 2019 versus 2020 so that could be a, a great little task to explore And I think it's also kind of an interesting thing to be able to look at a budget category and say, and to think through for yourself, like, okay, this went up. Is that a problem? It's not always a problem when something goes up Um, because like, you know, you were saying, Kamaya, we've had decreases in other categories, um, certainly in travel and other things, depending on your own family. And it may have been that in your mind, you were consciously or subconsciously kind of balancing that out saying, you know, we're going to have some fun food because we're not having fun doing this other thing. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's okay to look at something and say, this went up, but I'm okay with that. But it's always good to know, right, too, so that if you yeah. have that sense of it. All right. So let's see. We've gotten talked about all these different changes in our patterns and our purchases. Now, I'm not saying there's always family feuds around food, but it seems like that that could be a potential conflict in households if we think about like who's responsible for, you know, shopping, who's responsible for planning, who's responsible for putting it on the table, and even who's responsible for cleaning it up afterwards. So I just wonder if we have any tips to share about strategies that have worked to help us either avoid or decrease family foods around food shopping and such. Yeah. So different household types may have different food preference or dietary needs. Um, I live in a Jamaican American household. So everybody don't want to eat the same thing every night all the time. So sometimes for us with like, with the different pieces too, with like having um, just like different needs, um, we do a lot of like leftovers and frozen, um, froze free some of like the leftovers um, to be able to say, okay, we have some soup in the fridge and this person doesn't want this meal that we made tonight. So we can have like that frozen thing to like heat up so they can have that. So that's one way that we've done that. And it makes me think of other households that it might not be a cultural difference in food. It could be different things like dietary needs with like being gluten-free, vegan, vegetarian. You know, one of my aunts, like her her son, you know, became vegan. And so they had to figure out like what they're doing like each night for family meals, um, just to look at some of those differences. So yeah, for us is understanding that, okay, we may not want the same thing every time, but also making sure that, you know, whether it's having leftovers that are frozen or other cheaper meal ideas that will help um, so that you know, we're having kids sit at the table and they with their hands crossed because they don't want to eat what daddy prepared. So, um, yeah, that's just uh, <laughs> a couple things like from, from my household. Um, I think at my house, things are slightly different because, you know, I have a four year old. And so sometimes the four year old definitely does not want to eat said thing either. And um, so sometimes we just have to like 
and I'm not, I'm, I'm not knocking this either way, but we do these things called no thank you bites. And apparently they're not very good for you to do with your children, but we still do them with Marcus just because it's kind of nice to have him try new foods, you know, cause he's little still. So we do that at our house to kind of prevent feuds because I need him to eat vegetables because that's important. Right. But other things that we do at my house to avoid feuds is just make sure to do that meal planning. Like we talked about earlier and have that on hand. But one thing I think that we do the best thing at is that whoever cooks the other one cleans. That is like a real rule in our house. Great strategy. Yes. And mm-hmm. so if you, if you're doing the grilling and all the other vegetable prep and stuff, like the other person cleans up that night. So it's just been a rule that we've had ever since we've been married and it's really helped us. Um, but that doesn't mean that we don't still fight about food. Trust me, because especially around lunchtime around here, like I've gotten pretty lackadaisical about like making lunch because <laughs> I'm over it, you know, because breakfast, lunch and dinner every day has just become mm-hmm. our new norm. Right. So sometimes I'm just like, nope, we're going out. And <laughs> I was like, really, are we doing that again? And I'm like, yes, <laughs> today we are. <laughs> so that's how we we work through it. Kathy, what about you? Well, I I was thinking about this, you know, because we've raised our children, so we're kind of in a different stage. But I think one of the things that we kind of, we decided early on, and we've just kept doing, and it's in hindsight, maybe one of the things I think was the most useful in our family was we try to, we we have a set time for dinner and not every night, you know, obviously there'd be things going on, but we'd always try to have everybody sit down together, even if it was only for honestly 10 to 15 minutes, you know, and that is a pattern that we established. And we tried to make that time a non-conflict time. So we weren't bringing up challenging topics like homework or anything at that point in time. And then it kind of like what Kamaya was saying too, I always just, we always have had a variety of foods on the table and encourage people to try things, but you didn't really have to eat everything. In fact, I remember my two of my sons moved out and I couldn't understand why the bananas kept rotting. And it turned out my third son didn't like bananas and I never knew that. (laughs) But, you know, we just had that variety so people could choose what they wanted to eat the most of and things. But I will say that as we've gone through, you know, kind of bumps in our family life, which happens, I think, for everybody, um, that even when people were in kind of conflict, they could still come to the table for that 10 to 15 minutes and have a peaceful moment and mm-hmm. get food and then join the family, even if the rest of the time they didn't want to talk to anybody. So, you know, I think, you know, looking back, the energy that it took to put food on the table every night, you know, I decided it wasn't so important. It was always fancy food. It could be grilled cheese sandwiches or it right. could be, yeah. you know, something very mm-hmm. simple, but having that pattern that we aimed for as often as we could has been a big deal. It really Mm -hmm. has. Mm -hmm. And so, and I think that has kept why I do the meal planning, why that works for me, because that's just been a real priority that we have that, that centering time. So it it works for me. Like even like our young, like young mom listeners out there, like that making that time to sit down together is important. Yeah. And even when John was traveling, okay, fine. Then we would sit down. Maybe it'd be something really easy, but it would be, but we still have that time. And if somebody else was out doing something, that's okay. They're out doing Mm -hmm. something they can eat later, but the rest of us sit down. So, yeah. And I know like our family life and our nutrition and wellness folks that focus a lot on the benefits 
of having like those meal times together. And just like Kathy said, it, you know, like it doesn't have to be like every night, everybody together, but just making sure like that the effort goes into that. And, um, and that can encourage like different food behavior too. So if you have like, you know, small kids who are having a hard time with choosing certain meals together and trying just, you know, just take a little, try a little of this or this new thing that can help with like um, encouraging like some positive um, healthy eating habits. And I know when we do like sit down, you know, always making sure, okay, there's like a balance of vegetables because it doesn't always get added to the table. So with the sit down meals, like making sure that um, like these different important nutritional components get added to it. Yeah, that's a ch- challenging one, especially when the kids are young, I feel yes. like. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think looking for fun ways to present them and things can help out a little bit. But everybody has their challenges with that topic. But we will talk this about that more in a future podcast. So, all right. So any other things that anybody wants to add about food shopping, preparation, that whole task that kind of. I think that what we're hearing is that there's lots of different ways to divide up those chores, lots of different strategies. Some work for some households, some work better in other households. Sometimes you just have to experiment to find the one that's going to work best for you at that stage of your life. Right. And, you know, just like you're saying, too, with like different household type, you might have parents and child or like one parent and child, um, you know, depending on how old the kids are to get involved in kind of like some of the tasks related to like food prep um, to get comfortable with certain things. Because to kids, sometimes some food just look gross in its natural state. Right. But if you're involved True. in <laughs> In kind of like the preparation of it and, you know, get into like the end where it's going to be nice and tasty, um, getting them involved in that. Um, you know, one thing I would add, like my, my partner and I were independent in so many ways, like with professional tasks, other things that we do. But when it comes to like food, that's one area that um, we're kind of in sync on. So we go like whether it's bulk shopping together, um, we decide like who's going to prep um, each meal. Um, I'm very grateful. He's a great cook. So, and it's hard when you don't have like a great cook with you, um, but yes. just making, <laughs> but making sure that if you do have that option, whether it is a teen in your household um, who, who can help with like that meal piece or somebody else, like having um, share like the load of that too, can, can help with, with all that you're doing to make sure that you are, you are saving on costs and also reducing like the food waste that might come out of your house. Yeah. I just want to add that like getting them involved when they're little is really important. Like in my, like growing up, I did not help my mother with the cooking. Like that's just what her role was. Her job, she was a stay at home mom. Her role was to, you know, make dinner every night, no matter how great or terrible it tasted. But I have got to experience like watching my son be excited about food because he's got to do these like little um, classes with the park district. They're called like mini chef classes. It's really cute. It's like, it's like make stuff with like their like pre pandemic. It was like, they got to make stuff in class, but like mm-hmm. during the pandemic, we would do things over zoom. So that was kind of fun to like experience and like have him try. So like now he knows how to like snap asparagus and like do fun things like that. So he can help me just a little bit, you know, in the kitchen and kind of see like, Oh, like, like you said, Kamaya, that thing is not as nasty as it looks pre, <laughs> pre and then post. So, 
And I also think involving um, children in the food shopping can be, mm-hmm. you know, a learning experience for them too. And as much as I know going to the grocery store with children is not, never was my favorite thing to do. Um, when you do have to do it, if you can put them in charge of like finding the food items of the coupons that you have, or, you know, making a choice, like which of these three products do you want? Involving them in that decision-making and showing them how, you know, they're at least my children were sure to ask for certain things. I think that's probably pretty normal. You know, you can say to them, you know, well, we have food money today for food items that are healthy. This item doesn't fit into that healthy food item. So we don't have, we're not going to buy this one today, you know, and explaining why you choose to buy one thing versus something else and how it relates to your values. I think that is a real opportunity at a grocery store. And if you are a single person and you're having maybe internal conflicts <laughs> with whether or not you should be eating out or prepping more at home, because, you know, again, our household types are different and you might be a single person who's trying to figure out like, what's the best, um, you know, meal prep things that you should be doing. Um, we have a wonderful podcast. Um, the latest version Kathy and I just did on save on food costs. And we have listed uh, several different um, strategies that can help you with like how you cut the cost of food. And when you're thinking about like your food prep ideas, um, just um, using like different strategies that's going to help you save money and, you know, create nutritional meal. Um, so we would hope that you would check that out. It are, it's our Get Savvy Save on Food Costs, and we can share that information later. And I think you said podcast at the beginning. You meant webinar. Right? Webinar. Sorry. Yeah, so the like, Get Savvy webinar, webinar yeah. series. We're on a podcast now. Right. <laughs> well, we, we could talk about this in all kinds of places yes. and modes. So, yes. but yes. So whoever you are, single, married, in between, I don't know, but there's always ways to learn a new trick on how to save for food costs. And I appreciate all the feedback from Kamaya and Seisha and this conversation on this topic. I know that it has been a source of family feuds in my household. And yes. so hopefully this conversation might give you some new strategies to try out or a new perspective on it. And thank you for tuning in. Thanks for leading the charge today, Kathy. Thanks yes. everyone for joining. Have a great day. Bye. Thanks for listening to Family Financial Feuds. If you'd like to learn more about the educators, Extension in Illinois, or just personal finance in general, you can check us out on the web at www.retirewell.illinois.edu.